they all viewed it as an opportunity. Uh, they drove and flew to their other destinations after that, and so a lot of stuff going on, craziness. The Padres brought in five new guys the last two days. Two are viewed as big prospects. Of course, they're not hassle right now, but we'll see what they are in the future. You know, Mike, you bring up an interesting, you know, talking point about these discussions with trades and and guys that are that are in the middle of these are refreshing Twitter and trying to find out where they're headed just as much as everybody else. I have to imagine the dialogue with the big league club, you know, or at least the the, the franchise. It, they don't call to talk about rumors. They're just going to call when they tell you That's they have exactly concrete right. info. Yeah. That's exactly right. And so when Hosmer said, hey, I'm not going, all the national media people said, hey, the deal is still going to happen. There's contingencies. Hassle's gone. They got Soto and Bell. And I'm sitting here watching a brilliant 20-year-old, not only player, but young man, uh, you know, going, I mean, I – I think I'm gone, <laughs> you know I mean? but it's like, but last year, if you remember the Padre fans listening or, or at least people that because of the years of the caps and wizards, you know, root on the Padres, maybe their second favorite team last year. Remember it was, Hey, they got Scherzer and Trey Turner right up until those guys showed up at Dodger stadium. And so <laughs> the rumor and the Twitter stuff is wild. I asked Corey, like I walked around and he was standing there and, you know, body language, he looked a little shell shocked, uh, surprised, you know, I said, hey, man, is it true? And he said, Nutter, I literally just logged on Instagram. You know, they clear their mind, get ready for the game, you know, like that kind of stuff. And and he said, my recent post, somebody said, welcome to Boston. We can't see you. Wait, wait, wait to see you play for the Red Sox. <laughs> he said, Mike, I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and uh, that's not an indictment on the Red Sox. It's not an indictment on the Padres. Until all that stuff is signed, like you said, it's just rumor or conjecture, but – for these young men, I mean, Hassel, Rozier, Ferguson, 20, 20, 21 years old. Corey Rozier looked at me and he said, Nutter, man, help me out here. And I said, what do you need? I'm the I'm the rah-rah guy, you know. And he said, two years in a row I got traded at the deadline. I said, treat it that the Padres really wanted you from the Mariners and treat it like the Red Sox really wanted you from the Padres. Maybe your best opportunity is with the new team that you're with. And he's like, yeah, I know, but, you know, yeah, it's just tough for those guys. Absolutely. Because to us, it's just trade rumors, but to them, it's their Life. lives. Yeah. One of them's like, hey, I don't go to Arizona Ferguson. I said, Max, where are you from again? He said, Jacksonville, Florida. He goes, you know, didn't want to be traded today. Didn't say I was going to be traded today. But uh, spring training now is in the Sunshine State. All my family can come see me, you know, instead of Arizona. So they're competitive. They're looking for a glimmer of hope. And the last thing I'd tell you about Tuesday, I'm in the players' lounge 15 minutes before the game, and Nick Waits from uh, Fort Recovery, Ohio, just across the line, great local kid. I hear him giving a speech in the lounge. Uh, we are not losing this game. We're going to win this game. Nobody thinks we can win this game. We're short our one, two, three hitters and our ace, and we got beat 5-4 with two guys on in the bottom of the ninth. So, uh Again, the professionals, a lot of the guys here view it as, you know what, I got an opportunity now to play and show these guys what I can do. Yeah, I think, too, something that, that these guys are, are going through while they're awaiting concrete news is, you know, they, they see that post about Boston, and they're probably looking at, okay, where's Boston's affiliates? Okay, this is yep. where it could be going. Well, now I'm going to Washington. Okay, where are their affiliates? So exactly they're trying to figure right. out exactly I'm in the United States where that. they're going to be. So hassle, I went up right up to him. I said, hey, man, I don't know where you're going. 
But one of my good buddies, Terry Byram, used to be the Wizards radio announcer for three years. Here's his cell number. He's expecting a call or a text if you need anything. Bobby started smiling. Hey, man, thanks, man, because if I'm going there, I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah. I flew up to Ferguson and Rosier. I said, have you been told anything? They were both very happy. They said, yeah, we're going together to Greenville, South Carolina. I'm not, like, name-dropping. Sure. This is Eric Jarenko. He's the GM. He's a funny, entertaining follower on Twitter. He's a sneakerhead. He buys every Air Jordan release there is. <laughs> I said, I've already texted him and told him that two great young men are walking through the door, make them feel welcome. So there is some of that kind of stuff where just they feel like, man, like, I don't know anybody. Just basic stuff. Where am I going to live? Where's my Chipotle coming from? Yeah, right. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, but again, they're 20 years old, and so you just try and help wherever you can. Yep. Yeah, Mike, one thing that uh, I'm sure fans have been talking about is, you know, man, they're they're gutting the tin caps, right? Yeah, and heard and, that word a few times. Yeah, too. and, you know, the thing is, is, is these guys, they're, they're humans, but they're also assets, right? And yep. they're assets either when they develop for a big league club or assets to trade to get some other guys and unfortunately or you know for the for the tin caps that got traded they were assets to be traded but i think that's an important thing to understand like you know you're either assets to the big league club when you develop or your assets to improve the big league club i couldn't have said it better it doesn't mean that the padres don't want to win here it doesn't mean any of that but you said it best they're they are human beings first obviously but then after that they are an asset and bobby hassel outplayed this league two months ago and Gasser outplayed this league somebody from the Padres called me and said Nutter you got the most passionate fans base of all of our <laughs> affiliates and we've heard about the comments and we know how much they want to win tell them we could have promoted both those guys two months ago you know and they were laughing and, <laughs> and I said hey I said I understand you have a chance to get Juan Soto Again, long way to go in his career, but on a path that looks like a Hall of Fame-type career. Josh Bell is a superstar. Unfortunately, it's going to hurt. I mean, it, it, it's going to hurt wherever they get those guys from. And so the other part about the track record with the Padres is with the development of talent. And, yes, they trade probably as much or more than anybody. They're saying, hey, wait till the fans see. Maybe yet this year, Jackson Merrill, the number one pick from last year, you know, he's got to be like the last man standing in the organization <laughs> right now because they wouldn't give him up and some other guys. But you're exactly right. I mean, I understand it with the fans because all the teams in this town have incredibly passionate fan bases. But it's, they gutted us and they're destroying us and they don't care. And it's like, folks, they do care. But let's be clear, their number one goal is to try and win a World Series in Petco Park and the Great American Ballpark for your Reds and all those kinds of things. I mean, that's the goal. So they had to dip down into the minors and trade a bunch to get those two guys. Mike had a question come in on the Automotive Color and Supply text line 46862. says, T.S., will the trade deadline be exciting going forward now that we are in high A as opposed to low A? I think that's a great question. So, yes, I think that, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to use that word again, get gutted every year. <laughs> Some guy was hitting me up on Twitter about they do this to you every year, and it's like, no, like this was a special thing. Well, I do think so, and I think that when fans come out, we can talk about it maybe next year uh, in advance of the trade deadline. The last couple of weeks that we had home games, there were days that we had 15 major league teams represented in our ballpark. 
And sometimes you'll see your former guy uh, with the Reds, we, Hal Morris, came through one day scouting sure. for somebody. Like a lot of former players, and somebody will walk by somebody and think, you know, that guy looks familiar. And it's like, yeah, that's Aaron Seeley. He was a major league all-star pitcher. And, well, what's he doing here? Well, he's scouting for this team or that team, like that kind of stuff. I do think so. I also think with the Padres now with the payroll and the roster, there's not going to be another one of those. You trade eight guys to get two guys because, you know what I mean? Like they just yeah. shouldn't have that need at the major leagues. But that's a great question. Michael, when we look at prospects on the field, there's a, a big one. And I had a buddy, a Cubs fan, right behind home plate last night, take a picture of Pete Crow Armstrong, oh, the top prospect for the Pete Cubs. Pete Crow Armstrong's hitting about 900 this week <laughs> so far. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unique opportunity if you're a Cubs fan to see the, you know, the top guy in the Cubs system right now. That's exactly right. A lot of times, rightfully so, we talk about our tin caps, but we've seen so many guys come through on the other side of the field, none bigger than Mike Trout years ago. But this Pete Crow Armstrong, he's actually a buddy of Hassel's. They look similar. They play the same position, center field. Opening night of the series, Tuesday night, you know, we're kind of shell-shocked. The roster, you know, had changed over quite a bit. First pitch of the series, bang, off the 400 club, one nothing. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh-oh. Uh, he has been great for fans that are into autographs. We never guarantee anything. We don't get into that business and stuff. But Pete has signed for all the Cub fans the first three or four days of this series. He's been neat talking to people and meeting people. He's having an awesome series. Two nights ago, they had a right-handed pitcher go named Hodge. So he may actually be – he might have been Tuesday night. One of the nights, Hodge, and if he was Tuesday, then he'd be back in tomorrow, if that makes sense, throwing 98 miles an hour. Uh, they said he's going to be a Cubs top five prospect here very soon and so yeah we love our team and we still have plenty of prospects on ours but this Cubs team is loaded there's something like 20 and 10 uh on the second half and uh, I met a guy and I said you know how'd you get here you know where are you from because I'll just try and strike up conversations and the guy stuck out his hand gave me his name he said I got traded for Chris Bryant last year you know oh. so it's like <laughs> oh well they must think quite a bit of you then you know what right? I mean and so uh there's a lot of that kind of stuff and the Cubs are in town and they're a great team and we got them last night but it should be two good games today and another one tomorrow yeah let's talk about the weekend it's been a busy week for Parkview Field not just with baseball but you got the uh, action pack Saturday and Sunday coming up but uh you know Closing out the, the summer, at least with the kiddos going back to school, but still a lot going on at Parkview Field. A lot. Fireworks again tonight, a doubleheader, uh, 535 for the first pitch. Gates are at 505. We're back at it again tomorrow on Sunday afternoon for a getaway day, 105. Man, you know, we were joking with people last night about the heat and humidity, <laughs> and people are like, <laughs> we don't care as long as it's dry. Brian Esposito, our manager, is the best. He says, Nutter, if it's dry, we'll play anywhere between 70 and 120 degrees. <laughs> Let's just play ball. The fan support has been amazing. We were sold out Thursday night. We were really close last night. Tonight we'll sell out. Tomorrow might be our biggest Sunday of the year. So the fans, like they do for all the teams and colleges and pro teams in town uh, and high schools and everything in between, have really, really come out again this year and especially this week. So we appreciate it. Mike, I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot for breaking down this this uh, unique situation this week with, with the trade deadline. It's, it's really cool to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at everything. 
Thanks so much, my friend. Talk to you next week. All right, buddy. That was Mike Nutter, president of the Fort, Kane, Fort Wayne Tin Caps, joining us here on Talking Sports. And yeah, that 48-hour period was just absolutely wild for Tin Caps fans and, and even the San Diego Padres fans. And I know we say, well, you know, there's not a lot of Padres fans around this area, but there's a lot of baseball fans, pure baseball fans, that just were shocked at what the Padres were able to do to get both Josh Bell and Juan Soto you know, trade for Bill Hader in what was, you know, a, still kind of an eyebrow-raising move for both teams as they basically swap closers. But Hader, you know, traditionally, as, as Mike Nutter said, you know, one of the more dominant closers in the game for the better part of six or seven years. And, you know, it just you, – you have to take the thought out of it when you look at the tin caps and minor league baseball is, yes – they want to win at the minor league level. These franchises want to win at the minor league level. But why do they want to win? Yes, they want to help their markets, but they also want to win because that means if they're winning games, their prospects are playing well. And that really is the crux of it. They want to develop talent. This is a this is big boy baseball, right? This is all about getting quality players on your roster at the major league level that compete for World Series championships, whether that's cultivating that talent through the minor league system into the major leagues, whether it's cultivating that talent and trading it for assets, whether it's trading away assets at the major league level to load up prospects in your system. We saw the Reds do that, you know, and they'll do it again in three or four years because that's just what they'll do. But, you know, I'm not bitter or anything, but you know that's kind of the big business of it is, yeah, they want to win at the minor league level. They want to win for their affiliates, but they also want to win because that means their prospects that they're hedging their bets for the future on are playing well and are executing and are playing up to their potential. So that's what you need to understand when it comes to a week like this with the tin caps is, yeah, it hurts. It hurts to see these guys that have produced all season long, the tin caps moving on and being traded. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt as much if the Tin Caps had a regional team where you had fans and you can have people say, well, yeah, look how it helped the big league club, whether it's the Cubs, Reds, Tigers, you know, White Sox, whoever. But the fact is we're kind of separated a little bit from the Padres and their bulk of their fan base to which they're jumping on cloud nine. They they feel Robert Hassel and the guys they traded for Juan Soto and Josh Bell and these other guys, absolutely worth it. So that's going to do it for us here on Talking Sports. Thanks, everybody, for listening here this morning. Thanks to Mike Nutter for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and texting in. For Jim Shovlin, I'm Justin. Qualified officials for the prep level. But I haven't heard anything overly insane other than the usual in terms of football. But, yeah, baseball and softball, you know, the most difficult in terms of making sure all the games are covered in the state of Indiana. Also had a text come in, T.S., where would you rank Concordia's Bubba Craig amongst area linemen? Close to the top. 6'8", 320-pound behemoth offensive tackle at Concordia. I would say the only person rivaling Bubba Craig is Brody Bolin, who's committed to uh, Bowling Green from Norwell. Now, Bubba's humongous. Like I mentioned, the measurable, 6'8", 320. To excel at the next level, and uh, we're talking Division One level, and he's visited in terms of 
looking at where the the programs are interested in him. He's visited Toledo. He's visited Southern Illinois. But where does he find a home? I think in terms of Bubba Craig, still working on those feet, right? So 6'8", 320 pounds, you're taking up a lot of space. But how do you move? You know, when you get to the Division I level, at least FBS, you're just another 6'8", 320-pound guy. I mean, you're going to be on the bigger spectrum, particularly if you go low D1 or, you know, back or whatever. But the fact of the matter is everybody's big in Division One, right? FBS. So how does Bubba Craig utilize his body to absolutely dominate? And that's what I would love to see out of Bubba Craig this year for Concordia. And we've seen it in, in spits and for in, in, in spurts and fits. Is that how you say it? At times for Bubba Craig, just absolutely dominating kids. Like there is no reason that Bubba Craig should ever lose a one-on-one matchup. No reason why Brody Bolin should lose a one-on-one matchup. But with that size, if he can work on his movement, lateral movement, being able to pull all that stuff, he's going to find a home in Division One. Keep working, Bubba. Again, humongous body, you know, you can't coach that. He has that. It's just uh, working through the finer things that's going to help him end up somewhere, hopefully at the FBS level once he graduates in the spring. And you look at Concordia, you know, where are their realistic expectations in the SAC this year? I'm not really sure, but they may have arguably the best quarterback in Eli Maddox that nobody's still really talking about. You know, absolute gun for an arm, can sling it all over the field. Does he have the time? Is he given the time to perform this year and make the right decisions? I think that's the big question for Concordia offensively heading in to this season. We're going to take a break. Again, hit us up on the on the Automotive Color Supply text line, 46862, high school football we're talking. What's realistic expectations for Notre Dame football heading into this season, year one, under Marcus Freeman. If you have any questions for Mr. Mike Nutter, president of the Fort Wayne Teen Caps, he's going to join us after the break as we head into a weekend homestand with the Caps, including a doubleheader today starting a little after 5 o'clock, a pair of seven-inning games. Get out to Parkview, Parkview Field to enjoy that. I do believe it's a fireworks night as well out at the stadium this evening. We'll be back to talk more Caps with President Mike Nutter after the break, you're listening to Talking Sports, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Keep your home neat and tidy with 11% off everything at Menards, including cleaning supplies. The Libman Tornado Spin Mop System is great for deep cleaning your floors and features a spinning handle for easy mop head ringing. Now just $31.99 after 11% rebate. Get 11% off everything at Menards. Good through August 7th, savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You ever have a shave so noticeably smooth that people want to touch it? Like when a friendly pat on the cheek turns into a full-on cheek rub? It's the kind of shave a Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor can get you. This razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal, a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth, and it comes at a fair price. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. That's dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. 
When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov slash plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Why? Why take a chance? Why risk a mistake? Why say something? We all have reasons why we choose to ignore the things that give us pause, that seem out of place, that don't feel right. The word why can either paralyze us or empower us to stand up and protect what we love. So if you see something, why do you say something? I see safe for my family. I see safe for my friends. I see safe for my students. We see safe for each other. I see safe because all of this matters. We all have something worth protecting. A why that unifies this community we're all a part of. So protect your everyday. Report suspicious activity to local authorities. If you see something, say something. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care. For life-saving medical care. For a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! <laughs> to learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Now back to Talking Sports with Jim Shovlin on Fort Wayne Sports Station, 1380 The Fan at 100.9 FM. Welcome back to Talking Sports here on a Saturday morning. I'm Justin Kenny holding down the fort for Jim Shovlin, who's still on his rehab assignment coming off the surgery he had a couple weeks ago to get a brand spanking new hip to get back to 100%. So hopefully we'll have Mr. Shovlin back in the seat next Saturday morning. And if you're enjoying Tin Caps baseball this week, or should I say the fighting apples against what is it the 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 goats the cursed, cursed goats, goats. <laughs> My, mike nutter president of four way and two caps joining us here on the automotive color and supply text line so cursed goats and the fighting apples <laughs> you got it and hey let's just set it straight right here from the beginning 
we're undefeated all time at Parkview <laughs> Field wearing these uniforms. And How about so, that? Uh, uh, people, a lot of people last night said, hey, this is fun. It's silly. It's what minor league's all about. Uh, it's a Latin American outreach program that Major League Baseball picked some teams to do. The Cubs love doing theirs up in South Bend. They said, yeah, of course, we'll bring the jerseys down here. It's an awesome game. We had a walk-off triple with one out in the bottom of the ninth to beat South Bend, which is the best team in the league, and the place was electric. So it was a lot of fun. Going to wear those uniforms again today for our doubleheader at 535 and then again tomorrow at 105. It's been a fun homestand. It's been pretty wild with everything going on. Yeah, you mentioned the the craziness that this week was, and you and I and Jim were trading texts earlier in the week about the trade deadline. And just take us through that sequence, the 48-hour or so sequence that, you know, with San Diego making all the moves and, and impacting the tin caps in a very direct way. Yeah, you know, we were talking last week, you know, seven days ago at this time, like, hey, you know, let's see what happens. Sometimes it's much ado about nothing. And then on Monday night, they had a chance to get Hader from Milwaukee, viewed by many as the best or one of the best couple closers in the game. And uh, they put a package together to acquire him. And it included uh, Robert Gasser, one of our very good starting pitchers. And so he was gone and, and uh, had a chance to wish him well. The, the Brewers think a lot of him. And so they sent him right to A Biloxi, Mississippi. And uh, we thought, okay, well, that domino fell. There was so much talk about Robert or Bobby Hassel and the great season he's had with us that we just kept thinking, man, if the Padres go for it for somebody big, he's gone. And uh, sure enough, all those rumors started to come out. Hey, they're going to get Josh Bell, or excuse me, they're going to get Juan Soto first. And then it was like, maybe they can keep Hassel or James Wood, the current player or the future star of next year's team would have been, you know, and we thought, okay, you know, neat. To get a guy of Soto's caliber, you got to give up big-time talent. And then all of a sudden we started hearing, wait a minute, they're both coming to San Diego? <laughs> and so uh, uh, we knew that Hassel would probably be gone. The most interesting, probably one of the most interesting days of my career, though, Justin, because all the Twitter stuff was out there, and it was more than just rumor, but it wasn't official. So he was sitting in our clubhouse, and... You know, I went down and talked to him, and I said, hey, man, you know, and he said, ah, oh, Mike, man, I've loved it here. Tell the fans they're the best. And he put that on Twitter, which was very nice of him, and, and uh, just how much he loved it here. I talked to him about all the guys I'd known over the years that have been traded and how many guys we've had make the big leagues, but so many with other teams, and Trey Turner and Max Freed and a lot of baseball superstars. And he said, hey, he told John Nolan, he said, hey, I'm a huge baseball fan. If my name wasn't involved, I'd be refreshing my phone every 30 <laughs> seconds to see if Soto was coming to the Padres. He goes, I'm not checking it quite as much right now. And so, believe it or not, he got traded. Great attitude. He views it as a great opportunity. And then he came back to our game that night. Wow. Texted, hey, can somebody leave me a ticket at will call? He sat <laughs> his feet. Nobody even recognized him. Then the wildest one. He was probably the biggest prospect trade in all of baseball on Tuesday. But yeah. the wildest one was because Eric Hosmer exercised his no-trade clause in that deal for Soto. And to be clear, Eric had that right. You right. know what I mean? Like, So yeah. he's not a bad guy. He is loved in the clubhouse. He is loved 
by Machado, Tatis. Like he, the people that don't know, like clubhouse life, you've seen it your whole life with, you know, teams around here and racing teams. And there's dynamics more than just who's the best guy. Right. Eric was the sheriff in the clubhouse that held people accountable, the unquestioned team leader. Uh, he's also from Miami, like Manny Machado. And so, like, he, he he's a guy. His production has fallen off, right? But, like, in that clubhouse, he is the man. And uh, so he said, no, I'm not going. Again, the fans are beating him up for that. But the Padres gave him that right. So, well, they threw Luke Voigt in. So somebody's thinking, Voigt's sitting there in San Diego going, we just got Soto and Bell. I'm going to be the D.H., I'm going to be, you know, starting, playing with these guys. Maybe we can make a World Series run. He gets traded, you know. Yeah. And then Hosmer goes to Boston literally after our lineup was put out 45 minutes before first pitch. And then it comes out. I would get across Twitter. Young outfielders Corey Rozier and Max Ferguson are also in the deal. And I looked at my phone from a text earlier. I said, you know what also those guys are? They're also in our starting lineup, <laughs> hitting one and two and playing left field and shortstop. I literally go down to the clubhouse, ask Bo, I don't think he'll mind me saying this on public air. Maybe he will, but I'll apologize. He's walking around asking guys where they can play. Not like everybody, but like in case emergency situation. Sure. What if there's a collision? Yeah. Can we put a pitcher in the outfield? And the answer to that is yes because most of our pitchers were the best player and athlete on every team they ever grew up on. And so he was just, none of that needed to happen. We played the first night with one substitute. Uh, we lost 5-4. The guys really played hard. Lost a tough one Thursday night, 3-1, to one, and then last night had the walk-off. It was wild. I got to spend a lot of time with Corey. I was probably closest to him of everybody on the team. I told... Uh, Brett Rump the other day, I was the kiss of death because the four guys I was closest to this year were <laughs> Rozier, uh, Gasser, Hassel. How does New Haven utilize him? Is it get him in space, have him make plays, run all over the field? That conventional wisdom, that that's what I would do. Can they get him the football in positions to succeed? That's the question with New Haven. Some pieces around Mylon Graham, of course, but when you look at the schedule to start off for New Haven, East and and you know, non-conference, Marion, the host, and then they go to Eastbrook. That's tough. They got thumped by Eastbrook by 36 points last year in week two. That's tough. This team started one and four last year after back-to-back -back losses to Leo and Norwell in the middle of September last year in blowout fashion and then was able to piece it together in the latter half of the year to finish five and six. But it's not easy when you start off with Marion, Eastbrook at DeKalb, which I feel like is a team on the rise, and then Leo, Norwell, Columbia City. It's going to be tough for New Haven. There are no gimmies in that first half of the schedule, so we'll see where the Bulldogs are in the middle of the season under second-year coach Kyle Booher. DeKalb, I mentioned them. I feel like they have a lot of production coming back. You look at guys like Nick Layer back. And this is a group now, third year under Coach Seth Wilcox. That's that pivotal third year, right? Where you feel like, okay, you give coaches, and this goes for, you know, high school and college. You know, I don't think it, it, it's much in the NFL. That third year is the year, right, where, okay, we're really going to need to start seeing some progress forward. 
and maybe the culmination of the first couple years of foundation building and getting used to coaching styles and all that. Now it's Seth Wilcox's third season. He's 4-15 and 15 in two years. This team started off 0-4 in 2020. They were 0-5 last year before getting their first win. Of course, that exciting 50-49 to 49 win over Huntington North last year in week five, one of the, excuse me, week six, one of the better games of the entire season in the area last year. But now year theory to Cal Barons. They go to Angola for that customary week one game against the Hornets, and then they host Garrett and New Haven back-to-back. Then they go to East Noble. So we'll see right out the gate, too, where DeKalb is in terms of competition and where they're at in terms of their development and moving up in the NE8 standings. Another team looking to march up, Columbia City. You know, they lose Greg Bolt to graduation. But, you know, you have Ethan Seavers coming back and one of the more underrated players in the entire area. You have some young talent beginning to emerge. Stratton Fuller got some meaningful playing time last year as a freshman, and he's supposed to slot in uh, pretty pretty solidly in that wide receiver rotation as a sophomore and some other potential players there. So where's Columbia City at? You know, is it Colton Piper, QB1, to replace Bolt? We'll see how that works out starting week one at Cherub- against Cherubusco and then going to, to at Delta in week two before they get into the NE8 season. So Columbia City, too, with some some intrigue. And then you look at rounding out the bottom of the conference. You look at Belmont, you know, where are they at? 19 straight losses. I think, you know, Nick Hall in his third season, you know, a, a, a alma mater, an alum from Belmont, just trying to get things in the right direction. And they'll go to Heritage to start off the season and play the Patriots before South Adams comes to town. And then Belmont kicks off the Northeast eight season at Columbia City in week three, followed by a home date with Norwell. So that's kind of like a quick rundown of the Northeast eight again. And when we look at the hierarchy of the Northeast eight, as we stand here, August 6th, two weeks away from the start of the high school football season, I'm looking at Norwell, East Noble, Leo, as those three teams in order in terms of competing for the Northeast eight. Can another team jump up there? Can DeKalb surprise? Can Columbia City surprise? Can New Haven, with their athletes and the dynamic player that is Mylon Graham, make a march up the Northeast State? Can they have the consistency, avoid the turnovers that really put a wrench in a lot of things last year for New Haven in year one in Kyle Boer? That may be the team to watch in the Northeast State in terms of breaking through that big, these top three in the Northeast State. 46862, Automotive Color and Supply, text line 46862. Hit us up on the text line. Let us know if you have any questions about the high school football season. Again, starting two weeks from yesterday, a mere 13 days away from now we're going to take a break we'll come back we'll talk a little bit more about high school football maybe delve into the acac a little bit as well we're taking your questions on the text line 46862 we'll address those we come back it is a saturday morning i'm justin kenny in for jim shovelin we'll be right back here on talking sports 1380 the fan 100.9 fm
Every year it happens. Summer flies by and you barely had time to enjoy it. The good news is, when it's over, the best time of year comes crashing in. Herbert drops, looks, throws, far sideline. The Fort Wayne High School football season returns August 19th, and so does 1380 The Fans' seven hours of coverage. Every Friday night, we've got the action. Stay tuned for more info or get the 2022 schedule now at 1380thefan.com. Get the latest knife info from the area's premier knife shop. Follow Blademan's on Facebook and Instagram today and get the latest on what's happening at Blademan's Knife Shop at the Shops of Scott Road. Hello, this is Mark, the owner of Blademan's Knife Shop. I'd like to personally invite you out to the store to check out the area's best selection of quality knives. We carry Benchmade, Hogue, Protec, Microtech, Emerson Knives, Zero Tolerance, and many more. We have the best selection of premium knives anywhere within 100 miles of Fort Wayne. So come in and check out our great selection and have a cup of coffee on me. Before you experience the world-class quality in store, see fresh inventory updates and limited-time specials at the Blademan's Facebook page. Some inventory, unique colors and new styles only stay in stock for a day or two so be in the know and update your knife collection the smart way follow blademans today as always 10 percent discount for police and military and on-site sharpening service join the community of premium blade buffs at blademans facebook and instagram today Get in zone, auto zone. welcome to AutoZone. what are you working on today Ah, starting trouble. No one likes that. We'll get you set up for some stronger starts. You might just need a fresh charge, and we'll take care of that free of charge. But if it is time for a new battery, we've got replacement batteries that'll fit your needs, starting at just $69.99. You can learn more about our battery selection at AutoZone.com. That's what makes us America's number one battery destination. Claim based on data from the NPD Group 2021. The Fort Wayne Tin Caps rallied from a four-run deficit on Friday night to defeat the South Bend Cubs 6-5, highlighted by a two-run triple in the bottom of the ninth inning from Jared Dale. Games four and five of this six-game series will take place on Saturday. A pair of seven-inning games, game one starting at 535, game two starting 30 minutes after the completion of game one. For ticket information, go on tincapstickets.com. If you can't make it, join us for the broadcast starting at 515 here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wendy's new Strawberry Frosty is here, so check your watch. Is it Frosty time yet? It probably is. The hour hand would be on, I'm feeling snacky. And the minute hand would be on, relaxing with a rich, creamy Strawberry Frosty on a summer day, just digging into that smooth, chilly deliciousness and vibing. You know, depending on what kind of watch you have. When it's time for Frosty Time, choose wisely. Choose Wendy's Frosty and Classic Chocolate or New Strawberry. Limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's. If you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETs can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETS helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVETS service officer or to learn more, visit AMVETS.org. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Sorting out a mental health concern takes professional diagnosis and treatment. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, learn more at SAMHSA.com. 
Now back to Talkin' Sports with Jim Shovlin on Fort Wayne Sports Station, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to Talkin' Sports on a Saturday morning. I'm Justin Kenny in for Jim Shovlin. Jim still on the mend on his rehab assignment from his surgery from a couple weeks ago. We hope to have Jim back in the seat next week. It's just those lingering aches and pains from getting a you know brand new hip. Don't blame him from taking uh, every little bit of time to hopefully return to uh, 100% and joins us, hopefully, next week, fully ready to go. So, you know, Jim, make sure to reach out. Make sure you're, he knows you're thinking about him as he continues to uh, return to form. And he did post about uh, getting out of the house for the first time with uh, with his wife and went to the grocery store and he had the little scooter and... It was uh, exciting. If you've never driven one of those things and you're trying to judge, you know, corners and, you know, stopping distance and all that stuff, it can be a mess. And, you know, those aisles look wide enough until you're having to drive one of those things around. So it seemed like quite the adventure for Jim going out this week on one of those crazy things. So hopefully, once again, we have Jim back in the seat next Saturday morning, which will be only a week away from the start of the high school football season, at least the regular season. And uh, ES, uh, 1380, the fan, 100.9 FM will be there every step of the way Friday night. Seven hours of continuous coverage on on Friday night, followed by us on Saturday morning to break on, down all the results and scores in a nice, tidy 60-minute format. We're talking high school football here this morning. Had a couple texts come in, 46862 on the Automotive Color and Supply text line, 46862. Also hit us up on the text line, talk about Notre Dame. Notre Dame started a football practice yesterday. Official fall camp began. They're prepping for their road trip to Columbus to start the season September 3rd under the lights at the shoe against Ohio State. What do you think is the prediction for Notre Dame in terms of wins this season? Do you see double-digit wins? Do you see some struggles in Marcus Freeman's first season? It's a difficult schedule. Going to Ohio State, going to North Carolina, playing Clemson, playing USC. I mean, I, I feel like it's easy to look that, at that at that schedule and see three losses, at the very least, with a first-year inexperienced coach and Marcus Freeman. We saw that inexperience on full display in the Fiesta Bowl in the second half against Oklahoma State. A guy with deer and headlights look basically didn't know how to handle the complete change in momentum that was in that game between the first half and the second half. And that's going to come with the territory. You knew what you were getting with Marcus Freeman, who was the only logical hire in that situation to keep that talent together, right? But Marcus Freeman, when he was hired, we knew there was going to be some growing pains along the way. Now, does Notre Dame Nation realistically expect those dro- those growing pains? No, they never do. But I think we saw at least lesson one in the Fiesta Bowl. How does Marcus Freeman handle what looks to be a very challenging schedule? Again, starting with Ohio State, September 3rd, under the lights at the Horseshoe. Texas 46862-46862. What are realistic expectations year one under Marcus Freeman in South Bend? Had a couple of texts come in 
talking high school football, and one of the questions was regarding the referee shortage in high school football, and this, of course, continues to be something that is discussed each and every season, and not just in football when you look at basketball. And actually, the, the toughest, from what I've been told, season for officials or referees or umpires is spring, baseball and softball. Not a lot of guys want to do baseball and softball. Everybody's in for football, basketball. Not a lot of folks out there doing baseball and softball. And, you know, with the schedules and, you know, cancellations and you're having to move games around, it can be extremely, extremely difficult to get umpires for baseball and softball across the entire state when you have reschedulings and doubleheaders and moving this over here and that over here because of weather. And, you know, that's really, I know it's not the most popular sport when we talk high school athletics, you know, basketball and football are it, but it's actually baseball and softball, at least from what I've been told, that are the true struggles in terms of making sure everybody is covered. You know, in a perfect world on Friday night, you'd have the same crew stick together the entire season. And, you know, for some crews, you do have that. But others that are kind of cobbled together week by week trying to get by, you know, those are the the difficulties. Same on the basketball side of things in terms of guys working together. So it's still... First Responders Children's Foundation takes care of the children and families the brave ones leave at home. Help us help them. These are the beautiful voices of police officers, firefighters, nurses, and teenagers who remind us that we can come together and create harmony and unity. to 24-365 to learn how you can help your first responder community today. Broadcasting live from the Masters Heating and Cooling Studios, this is WKJG 1380 AM, 100.9 FM, Fort Wayne, Indiana. The Fan, live, local, and talking about the teams that matter to you. This is Talkin' Sports with Jim Shovlin on Fort Wayne Sports Station, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Brought to you by Automotive Color and Supply. Good morning, everyone. Welcome into Talkin' Sports. I am Justin Kenny. In for Jim Shovlin here on a Saturday morning, still on the road to recovery. Mr. Shovlin still on the rehab assignment coming off his surgery several weeks ago. We all hope that Mr. Shovlin will be back in the seat next week. Until then, you have me. Happy to be here on a Saturday morning and a lot to talk about. We'll talk to Mike Nutter a little bit later in the show. We'll go over... What is, for many people, the final homestand of the season before the kiddos go back to school? And I know some people went back to school this week. Man, that's early. I was talking to my wife last night. And, you know, remember, you know, back in the day, you didn't go back until after Labor Day. When I was a kid, we went back to where we had maybe a week of school, and then it was Labor Day weekend. Now... 
you're in some people are in school for almost a month before you get to the Labor Day holiday. So, man, early, early, early for kids to go back to school. My son will start on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. I can't say we're disappointed, though, going back early. Uh, he's more and more bored, that's for sure, as we close out the summer. But the end of summer break means the return of football in all its forms, high school football. Two weeks from today, we'll be breaking down all of the action on week one, opening Friday night of high school football. Jim and myself will break down all the action coming out of week one. Should be a lot of fun as we get the high school football season started. Some really good games in week one. Of course, you look at Snyder and Northside. Also, Carroll at Bishop Lures to start off the season. Wayne at Bishop DeWanger. I think that's a game to watch. A lot of people are high on Wayne. and Some people are low on Bishop DeWanger. So could the Generals go in and steal one from the Saints to open the season? Those are the games, or some of the games at least, in the SAC. Some uh, interesting games elsewhere. DeKalb and Angola, their traditional game to open up the season. DeKalb is on the rise in the Northeast 8. Angola trying to get back towards the top of the NECC. You have Kokomo at Leo as Jason Dorfler begins his tenure with the Lions. Marion at New Haven, I think, could be an electrifying game. Plymouth at East Noble as well could be one to watch but we're talking high school football here this morning if you want to jump in questions comments hit us up on the automotive color and supply text line 46862 put ts in front of your message uh let us know what you think as we're just two weeks away from the high school football season at least the start and of course they had some inter-squad scrimmages around the area last night we'll have some Scrimmages next weekend, Friday night, as, as teams with their final tune-up will take on an opponent before it gets real. Two weeks, just 13 days away from the start of the 2023 regular season in high school football in the state of Indiana. Last night, Fort Wayne Tin Caps come down from 4 nothing in the final innings to win a 6-5 decision over the South Bend Cubs. It was Jared Dale, a two-run triple in the bottom of the ninth, proved to be the winning walk-off win for the Tin Caps, who scored three in the seventh, one in the eighth, and two in the ninth to complete the comeback. Again, Fort Wayne was down 4 to nothing at the end of the fourth. They were down 4 nothing, entering the bottom of the seventh. We're down 5-3 to three going into the bottom of the eighth. Uh, Albert Fabian with a solo homer in the bottom of the eighth, eighth to cut the lead, or the deficit, excuse me, to one. And then Jared Dale with the heroics in the bottom of the inning, a two-run triple with no outs to end the game as the Tin Caps get a 6-5 to five victory at Parkview Field. Doubleheader coming up today out at Parkview Field starting at a little after five, a pair of seven-inning games between the Caps and the Cubs. We'll talk all about that and more with Mike Nutter a little later on in the show. A lot to get to with Mike Nutter. Uh, we'll talk about the the fighting apples that we saw last night, earlier this week, in performance out at Parkview Field. 
And of course, just the the insanity that was the trade deadline in Major League Baseball, and particularly for the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and just the incredible amount of impact that the Caps in a short amount of time had to deal with due to the trade deadline. Of course, San Diego, the Padres going all in with Juan Soto, arguably the biggest, at least in-season trade of a talent potentially in Major League Baseball history. And the Padres had to play, you know, pay a pretty penny for Juan Soto's services, including plenty of prospects, including some tin caps. We'll talk about that, Mike Nutter, a little bit later in the show. But kind of wanted to go into some detail on the Northeast 8 this morning. Again, hit us up on the Automotive Color and Supply text line 46862. Let us know comments, questions, anything you have here on a Saturday morning. We're talking high school football a little bit. And you look at the Northeast 8, and, man, I don't know what Norwell needs to do folks to, to get some respect you know back-to-back seasons of 10 plus wins last year 11 and 2 getting a sectional championship battling Brebuff in the regional were just purely outmanned by Brebuff last year but finished 11 and 2 Josh Gerber heading into his seventh season now at Norwell with arguably his most complete team that he has had in his tenure in Ossian Back-to-back wins over East Noble the last two years. We talked so much about East Noble and their impact in the Northeast State. And this team, in my opinion, entering the season as the proverbial favorite of the Northeast State. When you look at, at, at what they have coming back and Leighton Bailey back, a quarterback, you know, John Colbert is a phenomenal two-way player, ran for 1,000 yards last year and wasn't even Norwell's leading rusher. That was Luke Graft. A year ago, you have beef up front with Brody Bolin on both sides of the football. You have playmakers at every level. In terms of matching up against teams in the Northeast State, you feel like Norwell has the most proven talent. And so right now you have to look at the Knights as, you know, the potential favorite in the Northeast State. Now who challenges them? I think East Noble maybe with the best chance to challenge them. You know, they lost significant amount of production to graduation, but in terms of what we've seen out of Coach Luke Amstutz there, it is very much a plug-and-play with the next crop of guys stepping up. You know, East Noble loses three games last year. You know, Leo was a close game. You know, they lost twice to the Lions, once regular season, once in the playoffs, and then that shutout at Norwell. You know, can East Noble bounce back? You have to feel pretty good about their chances in the Northeast State, but they start off with Plymouth and Northwood, so they'll find out where they're at pretty straight away. But in terms of the biggest threat to Norwell in the Northeast State, could it be East Noble? Very much so. I, th- I think the most intrigue for anybody in the Northeast State, you look at Leo, a lot of questions around what that program is going to look like now with Jared Souter been gone, and you know he was an institution in Leo, and and Brock Rohrbacher before him, and it's, it's just, it's been a steady stream of the same consistency year after year after year. One thing that Leo hasn't been able to do is win a sectional championship in 11 years. Last one came in 2011, 
and I feel like the clamoring in Leo Cedarville has reached a crescendo, at least at the end of last season, to take that next step with this program, go undefeated in the regular season last year, win the Northeast State, beat rival East Noble for the second time last year in the sectional, beat DeKalb, and they lose to Northridge in overtime in the sectional final. You know, the year before losing to East Noble in the sectional final, 10 to nothing. The year before losing to East Noble in the sectional final, sounding familiar, right? So how does Leo take the next step? Well, their plan, hire Jason Dorfler, bring in a modernized system, and go to work. There's a lot of talent over there. You look at Ethan Crawford, you look at Alex Holcomb, you look at Brock Schott. You look at a lot of players over there that can make a difference on a football field in a variety of ways. But how does this team adjust to the new system? You look at Norwell and East Noble, they're running the consistent system throughout their high school teams from freshman to JV to varsity. So they're plugging guys in that are used to doing the same things they did at the lower levels. Leo is doing a wholesale change across the spectrum. How is this team able to adjust to that new system? Adjust to not really spread offense, but really opening things up offensively. Do they have the personnel to do that? The personnel to be threats downfield, vertically, to make this work, at least in year one, to the level that Leo is expected to be at. And that's the expectation we have for Leo, right, is winning season, that's a given. You know, they've last finished with a losing season way back in 2006. That was Jared Souter's first season taking over for Brock Rohrbacher at Leo. But this is a a program that's used to Challenging, if not winning, conference championships and flirting with 10 wins a season. Is that realistic this year in year one with Jason Dorfler? Those are the questions that Leo has to face. They'll face Kokomo to start off the season at home. And Kokomo is going to bring some athletes and, and be a good challenge, I think, for Leo. After that, you go to Angola, a team that's better off. Then a year ago, be a good challenge for the Lions. And then the big one to open the conference season, hosting Norwell September 2nd. That's really where we'll find out where Leo is. And you look at the Lions' schedule, and it's front-loaded in terms of the Northeast State. You start Norwell, New Haven, East Noble, back-to-back-to-back weeks in September. Hosting Norwell and East Noble, travel to New Haven. How does Leo handle that stretch? Where are they at after that stretch? Through five weeks, where's Leo at? So that is is a fascinating situation to watch, in my opinion, out at Leo. Elsewhere in the Northeast 8, who do we expect kind of maybe take a step forward? You look at New Haven, and it's it's Kyle Boer's second season now at New Haven after a five- and six-year last year. They have arguably the best individual athlete in the entire area. And I think 
It's 1-2 or maybe 1-A, 1-B with Mylon Graham and Bronte Johnson of Northside. But Mylon Graham, his rise in the summer to become arguably the most sought-after athlete in the class of 2023 in the state of Indiana in recent months has been tremendous. Offer from Alabama. Alabama, folks. Offer from Tennessee. Podcasts by Federated Media.